The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. Did you know that God is watching you? When I say he's watching you, I mean he's listening in to your inner thoughts. He's watching what you're interested in, where you go, what you do. Everything is recorded. There will be finally a great day of judgment and everything recorded about you will be exposed. 
but he's also, he's not just watching you. God is making decisions about you. Is this one tender of heart or angry of heart? Constantly nudges of the Holy Spirit, constantly calling you into a place with Jesus, into a, a, a place of trust, of totally giving over of yourself. And how are you responding? Oh, you say, I don't even know about this Jesus. I don't normally listen to the broadcast and, and I don't know him. Oh, be assured he knows you. He watches pagans just like he does Christians. And he's making decisions for eternity about you. Is that all right with you? And what are you doing about it? How is he judging you? In the scriptures, there's a story about one of the greatest kings of all times. His name was Nebuchadnezzar. He did some evil things. But he was also responsive to God. Now, yes, he was responsive to God, but God had to give him a good shellacking. He had to bring such pain and anguish into Nebuchadnezzar's heart and life. He had to make him so uncomfortable that he finally recognized there was someone more powerful than he was. You see, if he says, that man over there to a guard, I don't like him. Take him out and kill him. He killed whomever he wished. He brought forward and honored whomever he wished. He was an absolute monarch, absolute control over most of the then known world. Well, this man came to a place where his palace was finished and the city was finished. Babylon. And he, he tells us, I was at home in my palace. I was comfortable. I was contented. Everything was well in my life. I had everything under my control. And then he has a dream. Now, I dare say that many of you who are listening to this broadcast have a wonderful place to sleep. Maybe a, a luxurious king-sized bed with beautiful drapings or sheets or spreads. And you're eager every night to climb into that bed with your partner, with your wife, with whomever you get in bed with. And it's a place where you just relax. 
chit-chat, have a drink. It's a place where you feel safe. Well, he was in his very luxurious bed. And as he was lying there in bed, he suddenly began to see images and visions. They passed through his mind and they terrified him. So, being king, he commanded all of his wise men for a command performance. The magicians, the enchanters, the astrologers, all of the men with supposedly spirit contacts. I told them the dream, but they could not interpret it for me. Or, as I suspect, they were afraid for their lives of interpreting the dream. Kings want to know good news, not bad news. Finally, Daniel came into his presence and I told him the dream. He's called Belteshazzar. Why is he named Belteshazzar? Because that's the name of Nebuchadnezzar's God, his chief God. Belteshazzar. I know that the spirit of the holy gods is in you and no mystery is too difficult for you. Now here's my dream. Interpret it for me. These are the visions I saw while lying in my bed. I looked and there before me stood a tree in the middle of the land. Its height was enormous. The tree grew large and strong and its top touched the sky. It was visible to the ends of the earth. Its leaves were beautiful, its fruit abundant, and on it was food for all. And under it the beasts of the field found shelter, and the birds of the air lived in the branches. From it every creature was fed. In the visions I saw while lying in my bed, I looked and there before me was a, a watcher, a messenger. A holy one coming down from heaven. He called in a loud voice, cut down the tree, trim off its branches, strip off its leaves and scatter the fruit. Let the animals flee from under it and the birds from its branches. But let the stump and its root bound with iron and brass remain in the ground, in the grass of the field. And let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let him my, let his mind be changed from that of a man and let him be given the mind of an animal till seven times pass for him. Wow. 
what would you do? God has the power to totally remove your conscious mind. He's saying, look, you're going to have to go and live in the pasture with the cattle. You're going to have to eat the grass that they eat. Your mind will be gone. You won't even know that you're a a human person. You're going to be just an animal without a mind. You won't sleep in your luxurious bed for the next years. It's a warning. And he's being told, look, I'm looking at you, Nebuchadnezzar, and I'm considering what I'm going to do with you and where I'm going to place you. Now, let me tell you, out of my own experience, the Lord gives a command. He spoke audibly to me just over two years ago. And he said, wait upon the Lord. A pause. And he said, and the Lord will carry you through. A pause. And then very kindly, Jesus said, Ray, enter into my rest. Well, I really didn't know what he was saying, and I didn't spend any time trying to find out. He'd given an audible command. Unusual, yes. Very unusual. But he said, wait upon the Lord. I didn't wait on the Lord. I went ahead like everything was normal, doing, going, being all that I am. I didn't change my lifestyle. I didn't alter my behavior. I said, that's an interesting command. I will do all I know to do. But I didn't do what I knew I needed to do was to take a great deal more of my time and energy to sit before the Lord and wait upon him. I didn't do that. So I came back from a wonderful vacation. I'm not saying it's wrong to take vacations. Sometimes we desperately need them at the Lord's command. But I came back from that vacation and I came down the stairs or going up the stairs. I lost my balance and I fell and I broke my hip. I knew that that was God and that I was to wait on him. 
And so for the last five months, I've been waiting on God. Not going out of the house. Oh, I know I could use a walker and I could go and do some of the old things that I used to do that were not wrong. But I have been afraid to. Because now I know I have one more chance to wait upon God. I'm not going to mess that chance up. I'm going to wait on the Lord. When the Lord calls us, he sometimes has to do things in our hearts and in our lives that create a lot of pain or embarrassment. And he does those things to get our attention. To say, look, I called you. I've been watching you. I know who you are. I love you. But according to Hebrews, the 12th chapter, he also brings intense discipline And in that discipline, painful at the time, there is produced in our hearts a harvest of holiness, of righteousness. That's what's happening to me. I did not pay attention when the Lord told me to wait upon him. I'm confident that he's going to carry me all the way through because that's what he said. I'm also confident that I'm to enter into the rest of Jesus and I've learned a little bit about what that means in terms of being yoked with Jesus. But right now it's isolation. It's isolation. It's trusting what God is doing in my heart and in my life. Now, how does he choose whom he's going to discipline? Well, first, he disciplines everyone who belongs to him. So some people can swing through life and they'll never experience this kind of discipline from the hand of God they'll never they'll never receive it because either they're too lazy they don't care enough they love their lifestyle they love their luxurious bed they love their relationships with other people they love their their drinks of choice, whether it's iced tea or alcohol. They love their foods, their favorite foods, their favorite restaurants. God knows that. It's not that 
food is wrong or a restaurant is wrong or no it's that we're not waiting on Jesus we're not waiting on God we're we're doing our own life it terrifies me when someone shows up in church And they're dressed like the devil. And you know this person, you care deeply for them. But they don't understand that Jesus is watching how they show up in church. He's watching how they go out afterwards and what they do and the self-centeredness. You see, the truth is, Nebuchadnezzar was full of Nebuchadnezzar. Some of you are totally full of yourself. You're full of your stuff. You're full of your restaurants. You're full of your friends. You're full of your life. And the Lord God of heaven is very marginal. Oh, you may engage in all kinds of church activity, but do you do that because Jesus is first in your heart or are you doing that because that's the culture you're a part of and and it makes you feel good? And so, basically, you're doing it for you, not for Jesus. talked with people and they're so full of themselves that all they can talk about is themselves they don't give you a chance to talk about anything about Jesus they don't give you a chance to talk about who you are or what your family is they're full of them I listened to one person talk with my with my wife. They're they're good friends. She's a good person. Quote unquote. But wow. She didn't give Twyla a chance to say two words. She was so full of herself and her busy schedule that when they got off the phone I looked at Twyla and said what was that about? well the reality is this some of you God will discipline And some of you, he's going to say, go your way, live your life, and you'll face the judgment at the end of time. Those are the ones that are most terrifying for me because they have consistently refused the approach of the Holy Spirit. They've consistently chosen to go their own way. They've consistently walked in the lust of the flesh, the pride of life. 
They've consistently been so full of themselves that there's no compassion or mercy in their hearts for others. And finally, God just says, can't do anything with that one. Let's work on some others. Can God speak to you? Will you listen? Or does he have to really bring the hammer down on you to get your attention? He had to really bring the hammer down on me. Being a cripple for these five months has been extremely painful for me and for Twyla because I can't do anything basically for myself. Do I deserve it? Yes. And I'm very grateful for it because my life has changed under that disciplining hand of God. He's made me more compassionate, more tender-hearted toward others who are in trouble. I don't just say, you know, get with it. Now, sometimes I do that because I've got that relationship and they need to just get with it. So he's been warned. He's been warned. The dream is given. The discipline has been outlined. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live with the animals among the plants of the earth. Let him mind, his mind be changed from that of a man. And let him be given the mind of an animal. Till seven times pass by, or seven years. The decision is announced by the messengers or the watchmen. The holy ones declare the verdict so that the living may know that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes and sets over them the lowliest of men. We've seen that in America. God has given us a foolish president because we're a foolish nation. Not following the ways of God, going more and more into the darkness. God sees all that and he gives us a president like we are. You think God is not in charge? God is in charge. He decides. This is the dream that I, King Nebuchadnezzar, had. Now, Dudleshazzar, tell me what it means. For none of the wise men in my kingdom can interpret it for me. But you can, because you have the spirit of the gods in you. 
Do you have the Holy Spirit in you? Do the pagans say of you, whoa, watch that one. The spirit of the gods is in him. Daniel was greatly perplexed for a time and his thoughts terrified him. So the king said, Belteshazzar, do not let the dream or its meaning alarm you. Belteshazzar answered, my lord, if only the dream applied to your enemies and its meaning to your adversaries. The tree you saw which grew large and strong with its top touching the sky, visible to the whole earth, with beautiful leaves and abundant fruit, providing food for all, giving shelter to the beasts of the earth, having nesting places in its branches for the birds of the air. You, O king, are that tree. You have become great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky and dominion extends to the distant parts of the earth. But you, O king, saw a messenger, a watchman, a holy one coming down from heaven and saying, cut down the tree and destroy it. But leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field. While its roots remain in the ground, let him be drenched with the dew of heaven. Let him live like the wild animals until seven years pass by for him. This is the interpretation, O king. And this is the decree of the Most High God that he has issued against my Lord the king. We need to stop. And you need to ask very honestly, has God issued a decree against you? No, I'm I'm nobody. I'm just bebopping through life. I'm just enjoying life. I'm nobody important. Don't kid yourself. You were called to belong to the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were called to be one of his children. But you have disobeyed the will of the God of heaven. You've disobeyed Jesus. Oh, you may have been very religious, but you've disobeyed the Lord. And he has issued a decree against you. He has issued a decree. Now, at a certain point, that decree is going to be fulfilled in your life unless you change the way you live and you repent and turn back from that darkness. He knows what you're watching on TV. He knows if you're filling your time with foolishness. He knows if your foot is in the pit of homosexuality. 
He knows if you lust after the drink. You may be very much involved in the church behavior. But when you go home, you drink that wine until you're so drunk. All you can do is sleep on the couch. He knows that. He knows if you're bitter and angry, cynical, given to judgments. He knows. And those things will cause him to activate the judgment that he has issued against you. I had a dear friend who said to me, if I go back one more time to my fornication, if I go back one more time to my love for alcohol, God has told me he will issue a decree against me and my life will end. There's no more room in my cup for wickedness, for disobedience. Some of you think you have lots of room. I didn't realize how close I was to God's judgment, breaking my hip. Oh, I could have bypassed all of that by going to a doctor as everyone said oh pastor go to the doctor let them do surgery they can fix you up and where would that have brought me oh said one man now you could go back and you could do your pastoral work right without the blessing of the holy spirit what would i accomplish Painful choices. When you finally become wise enough to understand that what has happened to you is a judgment from God against you and that you better change the way you're living or that judgment may result in years of pain and finally dying a cynical old woman or a bitter old man. Do you understand what I'm saying to you? I know that a judgment was issued against me. And the time came when the Lord activated that issued judgment against me. I'm grateful because it means that God has not taken my life. And I'm grateful because it tells me that God still has work for me to do for his kingdom. I'm grateful. I praise his name. I awakened this morning worshiping the Lord who rules over the affairs of men. He rules over my affairs. He's got me sat down on the couch, nailed there. I'm very grateful. Belteshazzar listens to the interpretation of the dream. You, O king, are that tree. 
You became great and strong. Your greatness has grown until it reaches the sky, and your dominion extends to distant parts of the earth. You, O king, saw a messenger, a holy one, coming down from heaven, saying, Cut down the tree, destroy it, but leave the stump bound with iron and bronze in the grass of the field with its roots remaining in the ground. Let him be drenched with the dew of heaven and let him live like a wild animal until seven years pass by you. This is the interpretation, O king. This is the decree the Most High has issued against my Lord the king. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like the cattle and be drenched with the dew of heaven. Seven years will pass by for you until you acknowledge the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he chooses. The command to leave the stump means that you, your kingdom will be restored to you when you acknowledge that heaven rules. Therefore, O king, be pleased to accept my advice. Repent. Repent of your sins by doing what is right. And may I add, a right attitude. When I was a little boy, my dad would sometimes say to me, He'd see that mean, angry scowl on my face. He'd say, Raymond, go to your room and stay there until you have a proper attitude. Oh, that must make me even more angry. But after a period of time, he would come to my room. He'd say, have you changed your attitude, Raymond? Sometimes a bright, cheery, yes, daddy, thank you. Other times, angry. And he would say to me, do I need to give you something that will help you change your attitude? I knew instantly how close I was to a whipping. Renounce your sins by doing what is right and your wickedness by being kind to the oppressed. It may be that your prosperity will continue. All this happened to King Nebuchadnezzar. Twelve months later, as the king was walking on the roof of the royal palace of Babylon, he said, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as a royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? It was the straw that broke the camel's back. The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you. You will be driven away from people and will live with the wild animals. You will eat grass like cattle. Seven times will pass by for you until you acknowledge that the Most High is sovereign over the kingdoms of men and gives them to anyone he wishes. Immediately, what has been said about Nebuchadnezzar was fulfilled. He was driven away from people. He ate grass like cattle. His body was drenched with the dew of heaven. 
until his hair grew like feathers of an eagle and his nails like the claws of a bird. Wow. The issued decree of God was fulfilled. The issued decree of God will be fulfilled in your life if you do not repent and turn away from your alcohol and your fornication and your sexual lust. You're going to have to die to all of that stuff or God's judgment will come upon you. Can you imagine? The family gets in a carriage and they say, let's go see if we can find King Nebuchadnezzar, the animal who is who is no longer king. And they go driving for a pleasant afternoon drive, and then they see him, and he runs from them like an animal. They're afraid of him. They don't get out of their carriage and go chase him. They know he's insane. Immediately, the issued decree was fulfilled. At the end of that time, my Nebuchadnezzar raised my eyes toward heaven, and my sanity was restored. And then I praised the Most High. I honored and glorified him who lives forever. His dominion is an eternal dominion. His kingdom endures from generation to generation. All the peoples of the earth are regarded as nothing. He does as he pleases with the powers of heaven and the peoples of the earth. No one can hold back his hand to say to him, What have you done? my brother, my sister. Nebuchadnezzar's whole kingdom was restored to him. He became greater than he'd even been before. But this is the sentence I want you to get and fix in your heart. Those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. There was a camp meeting going on down south. I knew one of the speakers. So I went to the internet and searched and found him. My heart was broken when I saw him. He was dressed like a peacock. Proud, arrogant just on the edge of being fat, full of himself. As I listened to him, he did not lift up Jesus. He lifted himself up. He was the greatest. Broke my heart. You know, peacocks don't have a pleasant voice to to sing lullabies like, say, a, a turtle dove. 
they have a harsh voice. And this man's voice was harsh. But oh, he was dressed like a peacock. And he strutted on that stage and showed his beauty. But his voice was harsh. I don't want to be like that. I've asked the Lord to please in this time of discipline remove all pride from my heart. Don't let any pride be found in me. Don't let any arrogance don't let any cynicism or unbelief Don't let the world be found in me, Jesus. And my heart has rejoiced in his discipline in my life. The Lord is kind and gracious, merciful, long-suffering, slow to anger. He was very slow to anger with me. I'm 78 I said, oh, if I had only known when I was young, I'd have probably done the same thing again. The big issue. Will you let God in his mercy, will you let the Holy Spirit in his mercy, will you let Jesus in his love change your heart? Instead of being angry, I know a couple, they're entering into a time of real testing. You know what I'm praying for them? That in this testing, they will submit fully to Jesus, not be full of themselves, not be angry, not feel put upon, They're going into the testing of Jesus. I'm praying they will come out changed, transformed, no longer full of themselves and their schedule and their loves and their lusts, but be full of Jesus. How about you? Are you full of yourself? Are you full of your woes and your aches and your pains? Oh, believe me, I know what a red haze of pain is. I know when bones begin to grind with bones, how much it hurts. But I don't want even a touch of bitterness to be in my heart. Instead, I want great compassion for others. I want Jesus. I want the disposition of Jesus. Tender, merciful. Kind. 
Sometimes it takes real punishment. In Hebrews 12, it says to whip. Sometimes it takes a whipping to turn our attitude. My dad knew that. That's why he would come with a razor strap. And if my attitude was not right, he would use it on my back. Oh, that's child abuse. No, that's saving a child. I was very grateful for his discipline. And when it was all over and I was back on my feet, I would go to my daddy and I would hug him. And I'd say, Daddy, I love you. And he'd say, Raymond, I love you. Now walk it straight with a good attitude. I will, Daddy. (laughs) So what are you going to do? Are you going to continue in that bitterness that you've had all your life? Are you going to continue in the lusts of your flesh? My brother, my sister. We've got to get ready to go to heaven. And we've got to get ready to take as many people with us as we can possibly take. Our whole life is now the remaining years, months, is to be focused on what we can do for others and how we can help them be established in the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's not a time for selfishness. It's not a time for lusting after money and cars and houses, lifestyle. So what are you going to do? Some of you have admitted to me that you're full of yourself and your stuff. But then you don't show up at church. What's wrong with you? You know what's right. Does the sentence issued against you by Jesus have to be put into effect? And the pain and the anguish of that sentence, as I have felt, has to be issued against you. The word says, and those who walk in pride, he is able to humble. Thank you, Lord, for humbling my heart. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Lord, I pray for those who are listening today. I pray that you will give them the grace to change and humble their hearts before you, before you have to issue that painful decree against them as you did against Nebuchadnezzar and as you've issued it against me. Lord, I look to you. My confidence is in you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I pray in your holy name. Amen.
Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Thank you for listening. Share it with someone. Write to me at National Prayer Chapel, Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com, nationalprayerchapel.com. Jesus is waiting for you. Get to him quickly before that decree is issued. If it's already been issued, don't be angry about it. Go get right with Jesus. I'm praying for you. I love you. I'll talk to you soon. Before the presence of his glory.